This is episode 169 of Shades Midweek. This is a podcast where we talk about theology, culture, and all things Shades. My name is John Mark Giroux. I'm one of the co-hosts here at Midweek, and I just want to say thank you so much for listening every single week. We are recording this podcast inside of Three Stream Studio here at Shades Valley, and I am joined by my other co-host, my friend and pastor here, Jonathan Hafes. Uh, Jonathan, I am sensing a trend here in the last few weeks of Shades Midweek, and that is we are absent someone once again. Oh my goodness. Once again. Listen, we need... I mean, are we are we about to revoke host status? Yeah, At like, what point do we have that conversation? I don't know. I think we introduce him as a guest next time. Right. Like, we're, really... we're just here with our reoccurring guest, oh Brad word. Brown. We think the the faithful listeners of Shades Midweek need to start a personalized petition, you know, <laughs> on change.org uh, for Brad to have to be present at 90% of Shades Midweek recordings or something like that. I don't know. It's just, it's out of control. Nah, he's at, he's at the beach this time. He's legitimately on vacation. So I guess we'll let it slide. But you know what? Last last week I was on vacation and guess, guess who still showed up for Midweek? Right. You know? Right. The least he could do is call in. That's commitment right there. Well, uh, this is the beginning of school week. If you are, maybe your child attends private or public schools, this is usually about the time where things kick off, and both of our families are starting school this week, tomorrow, right? Yeah. 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 We're kicking them out of the house and be like, get out of here. Go to school. Yeah. Go to time. No more no more just lounging around playing video games all day. This is going to be a big shift, uh, particularly for Holly um, this year in our household, because uh, three of our kiddos have been in school thus far. And this year, a fourth one joins that crew. So Asher is headed to, to school this year, which means she's going to have just Solomon. Uh, during during the day at, at home, and that's worth applause. Right she there. has not had just one kiddo at home with her since we had just Karis. You know, that's a long 16 time, sixteen years ago. So, um, yeah, she's very interested to see like uh how it shifts things uh wow. in her world. So, yeah, man, here we go. School's here. Yep, it, it's definitely here, and, and you know we've got a lot of things happening at Shades Valley that I wanted to mention before we jump into our segments, uh, because it is we are entering into the fall. We're still technically in the summer, and you can step outside pretty much any time and <laughs> quickly realize that here. In yeah, Birmingham. but I just I go by like what we call the semesters, right? And so this is like the fall semester, right? right? We're we're hitting it, and. Because of that, there's a, there's some things happening here at Shades that I wanted to make everyone aware of before we move forward with today's episode. All right, a couple of announcements. We have the Roots Seminar coming up on Sunday. I believe it's September 10th. It's immediately following the service. You can register for the Roots Seminar on Church Center. So if you're interested in becoming a member of Shades, if you want to know more, you should come to the Root Seminar and you can register through the new app, our new platform, Church Center. Yeah, and if you register, like that not only helps us have an accurate number so we can have food available for lunch, but if you need child care, you can let us know and we can have child care available. 
Absolutely. If you don't know about Church Center, just visit our Instagram, visit our website, shadesvalley.org, and you can find out more. Essentially, this is our new platform. We're moving away from the realm. A lot of you are probably familiar with that. Realm was a place where you could give, or we had the Grace Find group set up and all of that. But Church Center really just integrates a lot more with what we do on Sunday morning. They have their own children's check-in process. They have giving. They have a directory. Uh, we can create a Grace Find group there as well and uh so it just it just made a lot of sense to yeah. switch from the room well, and it's much more user friendly i actually had a conversation with someone this morning i want to tell you a little bit more about that but i, I had a conversation with someone this morning and they at a previous church used church center and they had nothing but good things to say cool so i'm really excited about it they they were basically saying like i think y'all are going to really like it so it's so, exciting. Yeah. It's a, so a lot of big changes here. And if you do get on Church Center and you are a woman and you are interested in the women's retreat, you can register through Church Center for the retreat that's happening on October 6th through the 8th at Camp McDowell. That's a place that, I I mean, they've been going there for several years now, right? I mean, right. I, I don't know how far back. Ever since I've been here. Yeah. Um, so that's where the women's retreat is this year. You can register online. All the information is there on the registration page. This Saturday, here at Shades, this Saturday, we are celebrating back to school for all the kiddos. Brooke Primo has put together an awesome event. It's a water slide party. It will be here on the grounds at SVCC. Uh, so just come. It's from 10 a.m. to 12 this it's gonna, Saturday. It's going to be back near the playground, right? I believe so. So if you don't know where that is, basically you just want to drive to the back of the parking lot. Uh, look like you're going behind the building, basically. And that's where it will be set up back there. So, yeah, I believe that I'll be here with my kiddos and splishing and splashing and celebrating back to school. Come on out. Let's do it. And continuing with the back-to-school trend and our final announcement, SVCC Youth will return on Wednesday, August 30th at 6.30 p.m. Here at Shays, they're going to have a youth back-to-school bash that evening. So it won't be a normal youth meeting that night. It'll be more of a party. It'll be very festive, a lot of fun, some celebration. Just just getting ready to be back in school. We're, we're all doing it right now. So. Yeah, all the things. So much going on, so yep. much happening. And and I, I, I want to do a little uh, uh, public service announcement. Uh, really quickly right here, uh, John Mark. On occasion, uh, we will get feedback from various people that they don't know what's going on sure. at Shades Valley. And I'm going to assume that uh, that if you're one of those people, you're also not listening to this podcast right now <laughs> because you don't know what's going on. But for those of you who are, who are listening to this right now, if you ever hear from people, man, I just, I don't know what's happening at Shades or what's going on, would you pass along, please share with them all the various ways we try to get information out there. Sure. They include the following. This podcast, we occasionally do announcements, but that's not the best way. The best way is our weekly email, yep. which you can subscribe to on the website. Just scroll to the bottom of the homepage, input, your email address, and you're done. And you will get a weekly email with everything going on. And you you don't even have to read the whole thing. You can scan through it. Each section has this big, huge graphic that at a glance just will tell you what's happening. And then if you see something you want to know more about, there's a description underneath that you can read. So, I mean, literally, it takes like 30 seconds to, to scroll through that email and see what's going on. 
The bulletins that we hand out every week usually have the announcements. We try to make verbal announcements in uh, the service as well. And then our Instagram account, uh, we will try and post announcement stuff there. So those are all of the various ways that are available. So if you if you hear people like, man, I just wish I knew what was going on at Shades, please share those things with them and definitely tell them the best way uh, is through that weekly weekly email. One other thing I forgot, because there's so much going on, community groups, groups are back. Yes. And we put out the the little uh, groups booklet in the bulletin this past Sunday. We're going to send that out as an email this week as well, just so that everyone has it, just because there's so many things going on right now. Uh, and so we'll be pushing that a good bit through all of the mediums that Jonathan just mentioned, and we'll probably honestly run it again as an insert this week and maybe for a couple of weeks uh, on Sunday morning. So if you're interested in a group at Shades Valley, maybe you're not a part of one, maybe you didn't know that we had groups here Please check that out. You can go to our website, also shadesvalley.org, and you'll see the full list of groups with information there as well. Well, well, man, to wrap up what's going on at Shades and kind of our our little banter section that we do each each time we do the podcast, um, I wanted to share a little bit more about my conversation that I had this morning. Oh, cool. uh, With with someone who uh, is newer, uh, been visiting Shades and such. And when we talk about what's going on at Shades, you know, we can talk about all of these different things, which are all good things. You know, the group starting back and and back to school parties and all that. We can talk about like events and things of that nature. But man, right. I tell you, what's just really been thrilling my soul here as of late is like just the Lord is at work. He is just at work in the midst of the body. And if, if you don't feel that or see that, talk to people. Mm. Talk to people. Like, I don't know how you couldn't feel it or see it. Like, this past Sunday, there were several people who got up and, and gave testimony specifically to how the Lord is at work in their life through shades right now. Mm. And it's just incredible to hear. Um, and so I I sat down with uh, some people this morning um, and just, man, they just talked about, I'm trying to figure out what I can and can't say. Sure. Um, they just talked about the way the Lord is really bringing about some healing in their heart. Um, they talked about shades as being like a breath of fresh air. Um, and just, yeah, man, it was, it was so encouraging to hear. And I just want to encourage the body. When people say these things and you kind of dig into it, the primary, like, 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 well, why does shades feel like a breath of fresh air? Or what is the Lord using to bring about healing? The primary things they talk about are not, you know, sermons and preaching and music. And they do talk about those things, but those aren't the focal point. The focal point is other people, is the body and authenticity and the way people reach out to them and love and the way they feel welcomed, the way they don't feel like they have to put on face. Um, like, it's the culture. And you're a part of that. So, like, I don't say any of this. Like, hey, man, I had this awesome conversation this morning where people were just, like, talking about the Lord's work through Sh- Shades Valley. I don't say that to be like, good job, Jonathan and John Mar. Like, we're awesome staff. I, I say that to be like, praise the Lord for faithful saints. And... He is working through you in a million and one ways that you aren't even aware of. I mean, they shared one specific story with me 
about uh, an encounter they had with someone this past Sunday. I guarantee that if I went to that person and was like, hey, I met with so-and-so and they told me about y'all's conversation, they probably wouldn't even remember having the conversation. It was it was just a normal thing, yep. you know? But the impact that it had um, on their on their life. Um, I, I, I'll keep names out of this, but I'll give you a story that I heard a while back from a newer person. Uh, this newer person at Shades, uh, they, they talked about how when they first came, one of the things they observed was affirmative physical touch between men. Mm. So like dudes, like giving each other hugs and those kinds of things. And this person had this inward thought of like, man, I want that kind of relationship and community and all of that. And when they shared this with me, they were sharing it because that Sunday, uh, someone had walked, like they'd been here for a little bit, and some another dude had walked up and given them just this big hug. And just as this guy's telling me this, like tears just start flowing down his face. And those are the kinds of things where I'm like, you just don't know. You just don't know where people mm-hmm. are, what's going on in their life, and how much something that feels so insignificant and so normal to you can just have this huge impact and it can really be the Lord and his spirit working through that. So anyway, when we talk about stuff going on at Shades, I just wanted wow. to share, share is this, that. Is this the podcast? Is this, like, is this what we're like talking we're, about? <laughs> I feel like we've gone down this rabbit hole and now I'm like, man, this is good. Let's just, <laughs> well, let's just talk about this. <laughs> let's just keep going. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Amazing. I, th- I think one of the hard things uh, – not hard. I don't know the right word to put on it. One of the challenging things in pastoral ministry is as a pastor, you get to have this kind of mosaic view of what's happening at the church mm-hmm. because you talk and interact with a ton yep. of people, yep. you know, hundred percent. And one of the frustrating things can be that means sometimes you feel spread thin and you don't get to have as deep of a relationship as you feel like other people do uh, when, you know, they're able to focus on a particular like circle of friends or what have not. But, but you do get kind of this mosaic of what's going on. And I think one of the hard things is so much of the awesome stuff you get to bear witness to and, and hear about is stuff that you can't share openly right. because often it involves like the details of people's lives and, and, and places of hurt and places that are sensitive. And, all. and so it's not like I can just come on the podcast and be like, man, let me tell you about this person and this testimony they shared about the darkest place of their life. And here, like, you can't do that with a lot of those things, but man, I just, I really encourage you like as a member of the body, like just interact with parts of the body you're not used to interacting with. And, watch and see if stories don't just show up of how the Lord uh, is at work. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the crazy thing is when you really start to take account, because like you said, we do talk to so many different folks, and you realize, man, everybody's got a story, and everybody, you may not know it, but everybody has something going on in their life right. that's difficult that they're trying to navigate through maybe it's some huge changes in their life that they would have never expected Mm. and you you know so taking account of those things and then getting to see the spirit at work amongst the people it's it's such a blessing and it's just um 
we have conversations as pastors that can be tough sometimes. And I think for us, it's just like that reminder. It's like that fuel to like keep yeah. going. You know, it's like things can get hard <laughs> sure. from time to time. Sure. But it's like those things where people come up and they're like, you know what? I'm going through this and this. But I just wanted to tell you like how much Shades has meant to me during this time yeah. and how much I've needed the people that I've met here, the relationships that I'm building. I mean, it's, it's incredible yeah. and it's hard to talk about it publicly because those things are so private and intimate, like right. some of those details, but man, just, just know, just be encouraged. Everyone that's listening, just be encouraged. Like the Lord is at work. The spirit is moving in incredible ways. Sometimes you don't always see it, but it's happening. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, right, well, well. After that, do we want to come down for an album? I don't. I don't know what to do. I honestly don't know what to do. Let's 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 just you know, at shades. We are known are we for gonna... smooth transitions, so let's just pull off a smooth transition from all right. from all of that. Let's talk about music. All right, here we go. James album of the I thought that's who it was, but his vocals feel a little less produced. So this is a this is a score that they did for an, a motion picture that was called The Starling Girl, and that film came out earlier this year. I have not seen it. I know that Patrick Smith, who's a fellow cinephile here at Shades, has seen it, and he really loved it a lot. Lord Huron and members of that band did all of the music for this film and they finally released the whole album and this is I believe if I'm not mistaken this is the only song on the record that actually has lyrics that's actually an actual traditional song a lot of the other music is you know typical film music sure. it's instrumental and it's beautiful so check it out Lord Huron, the other artist is Ben Schneider. I was, I was going to ask, is that a composer? It could be a composer. Maybe he collaborated with Lord Huron, or maybe that's someone within the band that did a majority of the composition for this record. I'm not 100% sure on that, so I'm sorry if we have big Lord Huron fans out there. They're like, Ben Schneider, is he's been working <laughs> with the band for the last 15 years. How did you not know that? Um, I don't know all things, uh, but this record is really cool. And this song, Ace Up My Sleeve, which is the last track on the record, is fantastic. And I have been listening to it since it came out as a single earlier this year. Um, and you know that I love instrumental music and I love uh, film. I was going to so. ask if you'd ordered the uh, <laughs> the vinyl yet. I have not. Is do they have a vinyl? I don't know. Or or don't or are you looking for it on cassette? <laughs> 
I this would be a cool this this song would be a cool song to have on cassette. Just Ladies this, and gentlemen, just John Mark song. came into my office yesterday and was like, I've got something to show you. And he pulls out a stack of cassette five tapes. Five cassettes. Five cassettes. That's a stack. That's a stack of cassette tapes. And he's like, Yeah, I'm thinking I'm gonna think I'm gonna collect some cassette tapes now too. And I'm just like, know. man, I can't follow you down this rabbit hole. <laughs> I, I found them very cheap and used and I I don't know. I, I have this plan in my mind that I'd like to have tapes for my children and that would be like a cool way for them to have physical media that they could play in their room instead of just talking to Amazon you know all the time <laughs> and being like, hey, can you play this? Right. right Alexa, right. that is Alexa. Yeah. Um because they have that echo dot in their yeah, room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I just, I like the idea of the physical media. As no. you know, you you collect physical media, so you But you know. not cassette tapes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not a collector gonna yet. Come in. I, He's going to have eight tracks have and reel-to-reel tape and I have five word. tapes. I have five tapes, and I hope that I can get some of my parents' tapes. They have a lot of old worship uh, cassettes that I used to listen to when I, I was a kid. I can't wait to come over for movie night at your house, and you not only have a reel-to-reel projector, but it's hand-powered, so you're standing there just turning it. Listen, if I, if you do come over to my house, and I am, I have film, I have literal film, and that's how I watch my movies. You need to you need to check on me. You, you, that's that's not good. That's, I'm calling it now. It <laughs> happens. At some it may not be till he's retired, but it's happening. That's, that's not that would not be good for, oh any, for anyone in my family. All right, here we go. Uh, well, Brad's not here today, but we do have the book club still. Nice. <laughs> Thunder. Oh, so I got a book for you that I won't talk much about because we're going to talk a lot about this here in just a second. But uh, it is called Judges for You. Now, this comes from a series of books that are almost kind of like uh, they're kind of like mini commentaries. They're more like Bible study. I, I think what they're primarily are are pastors taking their sermons through books and like kind of. Uh, pulling them down into book form. Kind okay, of thing. okay. But this one okay. is by none other than the uh, the, the late now, Dr. Mm-hmm. Timothy Keller. Mm-hmm. Um, and as everybody knows, we just finished a series going through the book of Judges, and this is one of the books that I read every single week as we wow. went through. I read the sucker cover to cover. It is not a big book yeah. uh, at all, and it is uh, engaging and helpful. And so if us going through Judges kind of left you in a place where you're like, man, I'd love to dive a little bit deeper, do a little bit more study on my own. I would highly recommend Judges for You by Dr. Timothy Keller. So That's awesome. I mean, there's that. Leave it leave it to Keller to just have something that's accessible and that I, I mean, mean you, like, you would yeah. recommend for anybody to read that, I'm sure. You oh know? yeah, like I yeah. mean Almost all of Keller's stuff is extremely accessible, mm. you know. And uh, yeah, I, I I'd hand this book to my to Levi. Yeah, and 100%. be like, hey, you want to read this? You can read it, you know. So yeah, absolutely, a fantastic resource. And I'll talk about some other resources when we get to the end because what we're doing today uh, is kind of like a judges wrap up. Um, so as I said, we we just finished judges. Yay! We made it. We made it. 
We made it. It was a long journey, though not as long as some. I don't know exactly how many sermons it was. Judges is uh, 21 chapters. And so it was probably somewhere in the 25 sermon range, somewhere in there. Yeah, it's not like we, we camped out in Judges for two years or anything like that. No, we, no. Know. People aren't going <laughs> to replace it, replace their comparison to the Gospel of John series yet. Um, <laughs> but but we were there for, for a hot minute. Sure. Um, and I hope that everyone was pleasantly surprised uh, by the series. Um, honestly... And again, I'm not, I'm not trying to like, this is not self aggrandizement or patting myself on the back or anything like that. But John Mark, like I got probably more feedback from people about the judges series than probably any other sermon series I've ever done Wow, at shades. Um, and I, yeah, it's just been really cool to, to interact with people about it as when, when you're, um, the kind of every Sunday pastor, at a place and like I mean people are just used to like yeah I mean Jonathan's preaching this is what Jonathan does here like you don't get a ton of feedback because it's the normal thing right right it's the norm yeah, yeah. um yep and so it's odd and, and I notice when there is kind of like this um uh, abnormal uptick mm-hmm. in people discussing kind of what we're studying and all of that um and there was definitely definitely that. and so I was man it just did my heart good to see uh, judges engage and capture people's hearts in the same way that it has engaged and captured mine over the years. And so what I'd love to do uh, just to kind of wrap up is is a couple of things. One, just kind of talk a little bit in general about why I even wanted to do judges, a little bit about some of that experience along the way, um, and then maybe just kind of some random stuff you know, so this is the random judges episode where I get to talk about things that you don't get to talk about in the context of a sermon. Yeah. On Sunday morning. So I love that. Yeah. Let's just go for it. Yeah. I, I told some friends of mine that work at other churches, some other worship pastors, you know, we, we just talk about what our churches are doing and, you know, what what kind of series are we in and different things like that. <laughs> when I would say, yeah, we're wor- working through the book of Judges right now. You know, just the looks on people's face, like, whoa. <laughs> Be like, yeah, wow. so I'm leading a lot You're... of metal songs. <laughs> exactly. It's one of the first things that in our conversations as a staff, when we started talking about Judges and started talking about its content, John Mark would just constantly be like, Judges is so metal. Because, <laughs> you know, metal, metal just deals with all these Metal music just deals with all these dark themes yeah, and yeah. death and you know all that kind destruction. Of thing. It's just very heavy and <laughs> yes. um, literally. And, and yes. So yeah, judges is it's pretty metal. Um, so why why would we do this? Yeah, why would you do this, Jonathan? Oh, Tell man. us, take us into your psyche. Let's yeah. let's go deep a little <laughs> bit. Let's talk. Uh, about we don't it. want to do that. Um, well, the the story of how I fell in love with judges. Uh, it's got a couple of phases to it. So starting out, I mean, everybody knows I grew up as a, as a pastor's kid. And if you grow up uh, within the church, you most likely grew up with some kind of Sunday school environment or something like that. And traditional Sunday school tends to focus on narrative. It, it's not like you're sitting yep. down as a first grader and they're like, you know, going, all right, Ecclesiastes this week or, you know, whatever. Most of the time they're walking you through stories and through the narrative of scripture and you get, so your traditional Sunday school stories and judges is a gold mine 
for kind of just these stories. Um, but the version of it you get, or that a lot of us got, not everybody, but in Sunday school, is these stories can kind of turn into like Aesop's fables. So it's like a story with like a moral at the end. Sure. You know, and so each story is kind of self-contained. You don't necessarily see how it fits into the overarching narrative of Scripture. And the characters tend to come off as positive role models sure. and examples of how you should. So so you almost kind of get the sense of like the Bible's just full of examples of what it looks like to follow the Lord and, and I need to read about these people and, and do what they do. And the book of Judges, I, I don't know if this is a gender thing, but I do think that like it appeals in a particular way sometimes to boys. Um, I, that's been true in my own family, and I think it was true in my own life. Um, but it's because you get some of these kind of fantastical, uh, larger-than-life stories uh, with mostly men, not exclusively. Obviously, Deborah is in there. Um, but kind of like leading battles and, you know, I mean, with Ehud, it's like this assassination plot and like, they're, they're kind of like these little like epic, heroic, almost, it's almost like the Bible's version of like superhero tales. Sure. You know? Um, and, uh, and so I think it's easy like to just become fascinated with that. So I loved the stories about like, you know, I, the, the, the big ones that everybody knows are Gideon and mm-hmm. Samson. Sure. You know? yep. Loved those stories as a kid. Yep. Uh, I very jokingly shared the fact it, during the series that I had a Samson and Delilah action figure <laughs> as a kid. You want to talk we, about? Did we ever post the pictures of those? I, I think we, we were, did. I, I knew we were, we had talked about it. I but. think we did. We can post them again with with this when we post yeah. about this episode. I can send you some. Yeah. But there was this little series put out called Heroes of the Kingdom. I remember the theme song and everything. Heroes of the Kingdom. <laughs> like, I, I can hear it in my head. You want to talk about cassette tapes. So there right. were these action figures, and every action figure came with a little booklet and a cassette tape. And the cassette tape was basically a narrator reading the storybook, and it was like, you know, at the chime, turn the page kind of thing. And so you play with your action figure, you listen to the story and, and all of that. Dude, I had I had Jonah, I had Daniel in the lion's den, I had uh, goodness Joseph in the coat of many colors. Like I had all these these different I things. I love it. Um, but yeah, totally had a Samson and and Delilah, which seems highly inappropriate. Yeah, that's <laughs> just Samson by himself. That's fine, but then you have to yeah. So so yeah, they, you know, fell in love with it as a kid, and then I think somewhere, probably high schoolish. Uh, I was probably on one of my many attempts to read through the Bible. I think if you grow up in church and you're kind of trying to be active in your faith, you get right. on this kick at various points yeah. where like, I'm going to read through the Bible. Yep. And in middle school, I would always stall out somewhere in yeah. like late Genesis or, <laughs> right. or, or early Exodus. But I think, yeah. I think by high school, my resolve <laughs> got a lot harder, and so I'd make it a lot farther. And I remember reading Judges for the first time and just being like, this is not what I learned at Sunday school at all. <laughs> Did, did Scorsese direct this? Did Tarantino have a have a role in this? What's happening? Oh my goodness! Yeah, what's going on? It just it, it's a lot darker. The characters are are a lot of them are morally ambiguous. Yeah, they're super flawed, and their flaws are right up in front of you, and you're like, just I think you're left when, when you've kind of had whether explicitly or implicitly, you've kind of grown up with this thought that like, well, the Lord uses 
morally pure, upstanding, faithful people to do his work. Sure. So the first time you encounter him using flawed, messed up people who do lots of questionable things, it just throws you for a loop. And you're just like, why is this even in the Bible? How How is God present here? What is going on? So I would say somewhere in high school, like I just got intrigued, but I had no answers. I was just confused about it, but it intrigued me. Like the book became just that much more interesting, you know? So then... Uh, fast forward several years, I've been in youth ministry for a little while, um, and I get to, I, I think the only thing I ever taught on from the book of Judges while I was in youth ministry was I do think I did like a small series once where I explored like Samson's narrative, mm-hmm. and we definitely talked about him as a flawed character and such, um, but I get to seminary, and my love for judges uh, gets stirred up again just as I'm going through my Old Testament class. And for the first time, I get kind of a big picture view of how this book fits into the Bible as a whole mm. and kind of what's going on and the, and the the place it holds in the overarching narrative. So some of the pieces start to click into place. But it wasn't until my second uh, preaching class. So I'm in my... I'm getting near the end of seminary. Um, So I'm like in my third year, probably. It's my second preaching class with the Dr. Robert Smith Jr., which, if you didn't hear me announce the other week, oh man, Dr. Robert Smith Jr. is coming to Shades Valley on the last Sunday of August. What is that? It's August 27th? Yeah, it's the 27th. 27th. It's the 27th. So you don't want to miss it. Go YouTube him or just go back and listen to the shades midweek episode where we interviewed Dr. Smith. Um, yeah, yeah, man. I love this man. I I am so excited. I've been telling everybody about it. If, if you don't know what hooping is, H O O P I N G hooping. It's like, it's like basketball terms. Nope. (laughs) That is the technical term for a practice in many African American preaching traditions. Okay. And it's where they sing the end of their sermon. Like when they get to the end of their sermon, like you're going to know. Does he, am I going to have to play with him? Do you I know, no, no, he'll be fine without you. But it doesn't, matter where, it doesn't matter where this man preaches. Like Beeson's Chapel, it doesn't matter. Like he's going to hoop at the end. Oh, my goodness. And it's awesome. I can't wait. You want Because like in the African-American preach, in many African-American preaching traditions, like the trajectory of sermons are almost always towards hope yep. and and towards uh, towards the eschaton, eschatology, mm. uh, towards the end times, the fulfillment of all of our hopes and the fulfillment of redemption and salvation, which makes total sense when you think about the context out of which the African-American preaching tradition grows, right? Um, and, and so it leads almost always to this note of celebration. And so when you get a preacher that not only preaches in that direction, but then does it through this joy-filled, rejoicing, hooping. I, like I don't know what to say and it, it, to to put words on it. And Doctor Smith is like, God, you want to know what it feels like to just spend time with the Holy Spirit through another person, just sitting with that man. I, I'm getting off on subjects here, but I'm just going to tell the story. The first time I sat down with him. Like, I already had mad respect for this man, um, just from what I had observed. 
but the first semester of preaching, he meets with every student individually to talk about the first sermon you're going to preach in preaching class. And I remember sitting down with him. We've never had a conversation. And he just starts asking me about my family, about my kids, about all of these things. And before we ever even talk about preaching or any of that kind of stuff, he asks to pray for me. And he reaches across the table and takes hold of both of my hands and starts praying. And, dude, just the the genuine prayer flowing out of this man. Mm. And about halfway Mm. through, I just kind of open my eyes. And tears are just rolling down his face as he is just praying over me. Just, man, this dude just bleeds Jesus. Um, And so, so you take that kind of authenticity and that long faithful life of walking with the Lord through deep suffering. Yeah. Dr. Smith's first wife died and he has had two children uh pass away. One was murdered while I was in his class um during that time. You take someone that's walked with the Lord through that kind of deep suffering, clinging to Christ, like oh my goodness. Wow. I'm just I'm just going to go on and on about the good doctor, but I'm pumped. I'm gonna have to plan a, <laughs> a hype, a hype set for high, when he's high done. Octane. Everybody, get ready. We're we're gonna go for it. Put on some organ, man. <laughs> get Brad to play some cut beats. Get ready. We need to do that uh, that version of the goodness of God that we've seen. Yeah, the, the, yeah. That that, that Pentecostal version. Goodness of God. Oh my word. Anyway, we're gonna okay. go for it. All right. Back to Judges. I'm excited. Second semester of preaching in Dr. Smith's class. One of the things he makes you do is preach a difficult text. And he uh, he did something he let uh, that uh, he, he changes the way he distributes passages um, to the students, the passages you're going to preach on. And a lot of times you have no control over it. But for our class, he let us. He gave us a list of difficult passages, and we just went around the room, and everybody picked their difficult passage. Well, several of my friends were picking what were the easiest passages on this list, you know? And so what's an example of that? Like Revelation 21, the new heavens and the new earth. I don't even know why that's considered a difficult text, (laughs) you know, but whatever. Anyway, so they're just picking these kinds of things. And if you know me and my personality, I'm a bit of an extremist. I go extreme. I don't know what you're talking about, John. <laughs> so I'm just like, man, if we're going to do a difficult text, let's do this. Um, and I'm also like, this is a safe environment. Right. You know, I'm not pastoring a church. I'm going to preach this yeah. in front of my professor. Right. I'm going to get feedback. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah. let's take a risk. So it gets to me and I'm like, Judges 19, which for those of you who are here for oh, the Judges yeah. series... Judges 19 is the rape and murder of the Levite's concubine. It is one of the, it, I think, apart from the crucifixion, it is the darkest passage and one of the most brutally descriptive passages in all of Scripture. It's, it's just ghoul. Yeah, that's, that's the one, not to be super graphic, but they, they cut up the body. Yeah, this, the this Levite. The yeah, the Levite yeah. dismembers I mean, her body after. So if you think about, like, think about <laughs> the most. I put it in these terms because I watch so many movies, but think about the most, you know, graphic mobster movie <laughs> you've seen, and it's like worse than that. Yeah, it's it's brutal, <laughs> and I mean, I gave a warning before we. Right. I preached it here. I was right. like, hey, this contains like sexual violence and all that kind of stuff, yeah. and like if that's. 
I, I totally would get if that's too much for you and you need to step out, you know, right. um, because for a lot of people that have that as part of their story, I mean, it could be really, really hard. Anyway, but I picked that passage and because I'm like, man, if if the gospel can shine forth here and can be preached here, then the gospel can shine forth and be preached anywhere and and like mm. either we but when, when we're told that Christ is the light that no darkness can conquer either that's true or it's not and so if it's true Christ should be able to shine in the midst of the greatest darkness so I chose that passage and man just through studying it and through preaching it like I just fell in love with the book of judges and what I believe the Lord was communicating through the book of Judges. And it was exactly what I felt like my heart needed in the midst of a world that can feel very dark, like like the book of Judges. Um, and it was at that moment that I was like, man, if the Lord ever gives me the opportunity, I want to preach this whole book. I want to go through the whole thing. And ever since I arrived at Shades, I have wanted to do it. I've planned to do it a couple of times. But for whatever reason, it just either the timing wasn't right or something else would feel more pressing, um, like the Lord was leading me or leading us as leadership in a different direction. And sure. But man, uh, just yeah, this past um, year when the opportunity rolled around, it just it felt like the right moment and like this is what my heart needed and what we what the Lord had for us at Shades. And so yeah. So that's a very long-winded yeah. way of saying here's how I <laughs> fell in love with the book of Judges and really wanted to preach it. No, it's great to get that context and and considering that context, considering how familiar you are with the text, I mean preaching it in in your Old Testament class and preaching class. Um what was what are some things that were most surprising to you going through the whole book? Man, the longer I spend just with the Bible. Period. Um, the more the unity of Scripture blows my mind. Mm, yeah. Like, I, I yeah. am, I think it's one of the greatest apologetics there is. Like, one of the greatest kind of proofs, if you will, if we can use that word, that the Bible is God's word and it's divine in its origin, um, is the, the intertextual unity of this thing is crazy. Right. Um, I mean, I, I felt that off the charts when we went through Revelation. Sure. Um, but Judges is has, has a unique difference from Revelation. So Revelation, every scholar, believing scholar or not, every scholar agrees Revelation was the last book penned by a biblical author. So one could make the argument that the reason it's able to have such incredible unity and make all of these different references is because John had all of that at his disposal and he could study and kind of weave it all together right. and yada, 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 and all of those kinds of things. He's at the end of the process. Mm-hmm. I, I still think that the way in which it's done, the degree to which it's done, I don't think is, is possible by any human being. Um, but one can make that argument. You can't make that with judges. Like, Judges is being pinned and coming to its final form in the middle of this process. Like, Judges is completely unaware of what is going to happen through the life and death of Jesus Christ. Mm. And 
the way in which everything clicks and fits, it just, it's mind-blowing. The gospel preaches itself from every page of Judges. Um, Yeah, I I was on the way here this morning, and I was trying to prep a little bit for this episode because, you know, everybody knows we don't prep a whole lot here. (laughs) And I went back to the sermon podcast, and I was just, going through trying to find you know listen to some of the earlier sermons on like double speed and uh <laughs> so that I could just get as much as I could before I showed up here this morning but that was a that was a cool reminder going back to I think it was uh the sermon was a closer look part 1 you, yeah, you yeah, split yeah. it up into two but just that reminder what you're talking about the the uh the parallels between Genesis and Judges and bringing all that yeah. stuff that was that was super cool just to hear some of that stuff yeah. again. Well, and that's probably the other thing too. So like there's the unity of scripture as a whole, but the other thing that was probably most surprising to me in my study of Judges specifically was the structure of the book of Judges. Cuz I think like it, when you just read through it at a surface level, um, like you can tell there's some of a structure. I mean, there's an introduction, um, and you can tell at towards the end of the introduction, you get told, hey, there's going to be a cycle of judges, this kind of pattern that we go sure. through. Um, and you can kind of generally see that as you move through the book. And then, okay, we get to some concluding chapters. So even just a general read, I'm be like, okay, there's kind of that macro structure. But when you dig deep down into it like the careful way that this book is crafted and put together like for instance something I don't think you get at just a glance is the way in which the author structures judges uh, as like a decreation narrative sure so whereas the in the story of creation you know we get this seven day you know kind of plot um and and it ends with the sabbath obviously uh this kind of crowning moment of perfect rest with god as king like judges unfolds in the exact opposite direction where you begin with israel with god as their king the people of god with god as their king poised to have rest in the land and then it moves through a very similar pattern to the creation narrative but in backwards fashion to where you literally end with the last line of the book is there was no king and people mm-hmm. did what was right there's no rest in the land and there is no king like it's the unsabbath like those kinds of elements um or um parallels between the introduction and the conclusion um that are clearly intentional based off of uh, the echoing of certain phrases and the, um, the, the echoing of certain vocab. Here's the way I, I explain it to people. When you watch a movie, all right, and there's a line that a character says early on, and then the line gets repeated later in the movie, but in a different context, mm-hmm. and so it takes on a different significance. It's, it's a callback line. We all pick up on that. Yep. Like we know, okay, that didn't happen by accident. That is, a scriptwriter did that. It's intentional. On purpose, you know? Well, there are those kinds of things. I just don't think that we see them as naturally because it's a different type of storytelling. Sure. But there are those kinds of things in the book of Judges where, like, when you're able to look at it through the lens of ancient Near Eastern storytelling, and especially when you're able to look at it 
in its original language, you know, uh, of Hebrew, like it's just, there's no way that's not accidental. That's, that's on purpose. Um, and so, yeah, so just this tight knit structure um, was, was, I mean, the, the thing's just like a literary masterpiece. And so, yeah, so those were some of the things that I would say, like, I just was unaware of going into it that sure. were just really incredible to encounter uh, along the way. I think it's just like, it leaves God's fingerprints all over the thing. Yeah. No, I love that. Uh, do you have a favorite judge? Oh, I do. All right. I do. Do you have a favorite judge? <laughs> mine, mine is, uh, is pretty vanilla because like you were talking about earlier, I grew up hearing Sunday school stories about Samson. And so I think that that story has always been yeah. special for me. And I was kind of on a funny side note. It's the, it's the hair in that. There's right. <laughs> it's uh, that, right. Exactly. Uh, there's a funny Carmen song, and I don't know why I thought about this today, but I used to listen to a lot of Carmen. I've mentioned this before. It was Carmen was the first concert that I went to when I was nine or ten years old. He has a song called Lazarus Come Forth, and it's about Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Uh-huh. But the narrative structure lyrically is Lazarus hanging out in heaven, I guess, okay. before he comes back to life. And so he's talking to all of the heroes of the faith up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a conversation he has with Samson, and it's like something like uh, they're they're talking about how they, I guess, how they all knew Jesus or something like that. I can't remember exactly. <laughs> I haven't listened to it in years, I but I remember the lyric is, uh, uh, let's see. Samson said, I knew him. When some Philistines tried to jump me, I took a donkey jawbone and busted a few heads. That's Samson. <laughs> so I don't know why. That's just, it's always oh. stuck with me for some reason. Yeah, I, I think I think I definitely would have said that, like, as a kid. I mean, I had yeah. the action figure, right? Uh, yeah, I would have been right. like, Samson, <laughs> Samson's jam kind of yeah. thing. Um, but So out of the major judges, which, I mean, I think if you choose a minor judge as one of your favorites, you're just trying to be contrarian. Um, right, <laughs> because there's just not a lot going right. on there. Um, but uh, but Ehud, man, the left-handed, um, and I, I think I'm partial to it because it was one of my favorite texts to preach. It was just yeah, left-handed savior. Yeah, that, that yeah, sermon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just fun, and I think probably because it was a story that surprised me the most when I finally felt like I saw what was going on because it's one of those stories that I think like, so most times when I'm sitting up in, in my study and I'm going to start reading a, a passage and begin studying it, I, I don't know what people think happens. Like if I just read and I automatically know like what I'm preaching or what have not, that's typically not what happens. I, I tell people, I think I have the same experience that everybody else does <laughs> where the first time I read the passage, I'm like, what? <laughs> Well, that's encouraging. What's, to know go, that, what's that, going on? That's encouraging that even you feel. What am I gonna that's, say? That's fan. That makes me feel better. So yeah. So when you read the Ehud story, I think you're just like, okay, <laughs> like, and what does this have to do with Jesus? Or, but man, like at the heart of the Ehud story, is honestly the principle that gets explicitly talked about by Paul early in his letter to to the Corinthians, First Corinthians. And that is that God uses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and he uses the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Mm -hmm. 
And when you begin to see that, like it just the passage comes alive, just comes alive. And so, yeah, I just had had a blast uh, preaching that one. Can you remind me which is the which is the minor judge? It's like the shortest there was like there's like one of the minor judges that's really short. Am I wrong? Oh about no, they're that? all. What was the one they're that was, all. They're all short. The first minor judge. There was you one get. that I feel like that was incredibly short. Like yeah. we don't have much information there uh, in the I, text. Yeah, Can yeah. You remind yeah. me which one. Well, it's all of them. But right, right. The the sermon that I there preached. Was one that I'm thinking of. In well, particular. the sermon that I preached where I basically was like, yeah, we don't know jack squat about this yeah, guy. Yeah, that would yes. Um, that which, would be Shamgar. Shamgar. Uh, so Judges 3, uh, right after the Ehud story. Yes. It's Judges 3.31. It may have been the only sermon that was on one verse. Yeah, that this is totally yeah. the one. Yeah, and it's yeah. after him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, who killed 600 of the Philistines with an ox goat, and he also saved Israel. <laughs> You know, it's like when you watch them, you, you know, you watch a movie and they're taking you through a history of something and they're right. trying to do it really quick. And that's like the one really funny part where right. it, they just they just kind of gloss over that whole thing and it's yeah. done in 10 seconds. Yeah. And there was this and guy. there was this guy. He <laughs> saved Israel. And that's and then they move. They what? quickly move on. What? Yeah, that's my favorite judge. Yeah. I'm <laughs> oh, dude. Yeah. Love it. Love it. So amazing. Uh, yeah, man. Well, I know that per the usual when we do a lot of these wrap-up episodes here on Midweek about sermon series that you've preached, Jonathan, uh, there's always things that are left on the cutting room floor. This always happens. Hey, this man. is the director's cut. There's no time. There's no time. <laughs> there's no time for the Lord <laughs> of the Rings extended edition five-hour oh. sermon. So unfortunate. I mean, <laughs> you know, I truly should have been born – uh, in like <laughs> in like colonial New England, yeah. like when the Puritans were preaching three-hour yes. sermons because there was no other source of entertainment. Yes. So people were like, yeah, of course, this is great. Right. Keep going. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so what are some things that you'd like to mention, some some interesting things, yeah. some fun things that got left on the cutting room floor? Yeah, I, I think maybe just to kind of wrap up here at the end because we've probably gone on long enough with, <laughs> with all sorts of stuff. Um, there, there is. There is always stuff that, hits the cutting room floor and here's the thing i think to explain what hits the floor and why it does preaching is never just about doing a bible study it's never just about delivering facts about the text and all of that it's part of it teaching is a part of preaching and should be but preaching moves from here's what god has said to here's what god is saying Preaching has what I call the prophetic shift, mm. where we move from looking at the text to pressing it mm. against our lives mm. and against our hearts. And and how is God uh, calling us? How's he encouraging us? How's he convicting us? How's he calling us closer to himself? Um, like like preaching makes that that move. And so as a result, the Things that are primarily going to hit the cutting room floor are things that might be considered fun facts. <laughs> like, 
It's, trivia. Some, it's something that <laughs> when you're studying, you're like, oh, that's awesome. That is so cool. I would love to tell everybody about that and show that. But it is totally not necessary at all yes. to, like, you can understand the text without knowing that cool thing. And the point comes across without that cool thing. Sure. And so those kinds of things end up hitting the cutting room floor. Um, for me, this is a difference between me and Brad. Sure. Um, quotes. Sure. Um, like Brad is the king of quotations. Yep. Um, and I try to tell people, I'm like, it's not that I don't have quotes. I always have like 50 quotes I'd love to include. I just always cut them. <laughs> I'm like, well, this is just reinforcing what I already said. So. It's out. <laughs> you know, I I love this kind of stuff because for me, like I'm a big college football fan, and I love all the random stats that right. these, that these statisticians come up with. They're like, well, this is the first time ever that a quarterback, you know, threw thirty passes in this game and on a Thursday. Yes, yeah, it's just the most random stuff. You know, the NFL is really great at it because they have those guys are working overtime and they're trying Dude. to find the most obscure stat oh, MLB possible. is the same I love that MLB stuff. is the same but yeah so that's what this is yeah yeah so anyway so yeah so fun facts um sometimes it's just the things like like I talked about earlier like with the structure and how there are certain things that just show the literary genius of the book like you, you don't necessarily have time to go all that it's just beautiful connections yeah 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 so I figured I'd just give a couple of examples of the kinds of things I'm talking about primarily from the conclusion uh because that's what's most fresh on my mind. Um, and for those who don't know, um, Judges has a double conclusion, just like it had a double intro. Um, so the first conclusion is in chapters 17 and 18, and the second conclusion is chapters 19 to 21. And so, yeah, I, I'll just give you a couple of examples uh, out of there. So, for instance, uh, the first conclusion, Judges 17 to 18, we, we titled that sermon, Canonization Complete uh, Idolatry. Um, it's it's focusing in on it's giving an example of how Israel religiously has become just like the Canaanites, um, how they've embraced idolatry, and it does it through this story about a man named Micah, uh, and Micah steals a bunch of silver from his mama. Uh, she's like, cursed be the person who stole my silver. And he's like, oh, crud, that was me, mom. And she's like, never mind. Blessed be you, son. Uh, here, let's make sure that the gods don't curse us. Use that silver to actually go and make a god, uh, an idol, so that we're not cursed. Yeah, 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 there's more details to it. You can listen to the sermon if you want to. But one of the fun details in the midst of that story that I just, there, there was just no time. Things had to be cut uh, is here. I mean, I'm going to read it to you. In verses in verse four, uh, so when Micah restored the money to his mother, his mother took two hundred pieces of silver and gave it to the silversmith, who made it into a carved image and a metal image, and it was in the house of Micah. Now, here's what's funny about that: Bro stole <laughs> eleven hundred pieces of silver. And she gets all pious and is like, yeah, let's dedicate that money to being made into an idol. But when it comes down to it, she gives 200 pieces of silver to be made into an idol. She keeps 900 of it, the overwhelming majority of it. And if you do the math on it, (laughs) 
200 pieces of silver is going to make a really sad little bitty <laughs> idol. Like, it's not like we're making this cool statue kind of thing. It's like, you know, it's like, how can I get off the cheapest here and not get cursed, you know, by the gods? It's, it's a bargain bin idol. Yes. It's the $5. Yes. It's the Dollar Tree. Oh. Yes, it totally, totally is. Like, it's it's basically five pounds worth of silver. And you think about that, and you're like, oh, five pounds. But th- no, 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 no. Think about a five-pound dumbbell. Sure. Think of the size of that. Right. Like, it sits right here. It's like a glorified paperweight, yes. you know? So it's just those kinds of little fun facts that you wish you could talk about, and there's just, ah, uh, there's just not enough. Not enough time. Um, sometimes there's not enough time to do all of the application you would like to do. So, for instance, when Micah sets up this, he basically sets up this idol, but he doesn't just do that. We talked about the fact that he virtually establishes a completely alternate system of worship. Like, he he ordains one of his own sons as his priest. He sets up his own shrine. Like, Shiloh exists right now in Israel, which was the dedicated place that Israelites were supposed to go to worship. The tabernacle's there. The Ark of the Covenant's there. The rightful priest is there. He sets up his own rival system of worship. And the very next thing we hear is verse 6. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. In other words, Micah is doing worship as he sees fit in his own eyes. You want to talk about a loaded place for application to talk about how do we do worship in the way that's right in our own eyes, in a way that fits for us, is comfortable for us, scratches our itches versus worshiping God on his terms and the way that he wants us to worship him and the way he's prescribed for us to worship him. I mean, there's a sermon there. You know, you can just sit in, 100%. in that. And one of the commentators uh, that I read pretty regularly, he does. He he does sit there for a little while. I'll tell you about him in just a minute when I do some recommended resources. Okay. But, yeah, those are some of the kinds of things that, that hit the, the cutting room floor. One of the other things, so this is just, this is a cool intertextual connection right here um, that there wasn't time to point out, but just shows the beautiful unity of the book. Um, this verse, in those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So that verse gets repeated four times throughout the double conclusion, right? Uh, twice in the first conclusion and twice in the second conclusion. And it does it in what we would call a chiastic pattern, an A-B-B-A pattern, all right? So in other words, the full version of it appears right here at the very beginning of conclusion number one. And the full version will appear again at the conclusion of the whole book of of conclusion number two. It bookends it. Mm -hmm. Well, you get a shorter version that just says uh, there was no king in Israel in those days. You get a shorter version in in the middle at, at the conclusion of, at the end of conclusion number one and at the beginning of conclusion number two. So it's really hard without drawing it on a po- on a board. I, I hope you can see what I mean by this A yep. B B A pattern. It's just it's tightly constructed. But even more than that, um, the final judge story that we get before uh, these conclusions, the final major judge story, is Samson, right? 
And Samson's this huge extended story. And one of the things we talked about constantly throughout Samson's story is that he embodies what's going on with all of God's people. Like what we see happening with Samson, his confusion and his relationship with God, his immorality, all of that, it is, it is an embodiment, a representation of what's going on with all of Israel. Well, here's what's so cool, just an intertextual link. The, Samson's idolatry and immorality, it gets described for us right at the beginning of his story in this way, on his own lips. He wants to take a Philistine woman for, for his wife, and he says, because she is right in my eyes. And it gets said twice. Well, now, in the conclusion, Samson's words are being taken and applied to everybody he represented. It's the author's way of going, see, Samson really was an accurate representation of all the people. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just this intertextual link yeah. and connection. One, one commentator uh, called it the democratization of Samson's sin. Like we're wow. seeing Samson's sin, doing what's right in his own eyes, is just true of everybody. Um, so. Sorry. <laughs> I reached down. And now to read an email from Samson <laughs> in defense he, he of He has a rebuttal. I, I was grabbing my sheet of paper and accidentally hit the button. Oh, no, I loved it. Everybody's probably like, we needed to come up for air for a moment really quickly. Um, so, yeah, one last thing uh, from that first conclusion that will actually transition us to the second one. Okay. And that is, so in this story of Micah committing idolatry, one of the things that he does is he eventually upgrades his priest. So he upgrades from, he, he had ordained one of his own sons as his priest. Well, eventually a Levite shows up on his property, and he's like, ooh, a Levite, like a legit priest, I'll upgrade. And so he installs this Levite as his priest. Well, I didn't get to make a huge deal out of this, but what you find out near the very end of that first conclusion is the identity of that Levite. Uh, and his name is Jonathan, um, <laughs> which means God's gracious gift. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but th- there's irony there because he is definitely not that mm. um, living up to his name. But, but so it's Jonathan, Moses' grandson. One of the things you got to realize about the structure of Judges is Judges isn't actually structured chronologically. Right, right. Like, like there are tons of the of books of the Bible that aren't structured chronologically on purpose. Um, they're they're put in the order they're put in because the author is presenting real history to you, but to 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 show you to make a point, a theological yeah, point. Right. You know, so there's a lot that's going on thematically and the one that that you know our author and judge is doing is this descent into darkness. So some of the final events that we get, it's not that those were the last things to happen like during this time period. Some of them happened early on, but they've been put here at the end of the book of Judges because they are supreme examples of the darkness that's going on. So anyway, so yeah, so this is the grandson of Moses, and that's a way of the author saying, "Look, even the families that would be considered like uh, w- would be kind of these regarded families, if you will, you know, like like nah, the corruption goes there too, and, and that's the goal of these conclusions, right? To show that Canaanization is complete down to Israel's core, including their core families. Mm-hmm. So here's the really cool connection." 
In that first conclusion, we get this Levite who's the grandson of Moses. In the second conclusion, there is only one named character in the entire second conclusion. And it is the priest serving in Shiloh. And his name, if I can remember correctly, right here in my notes, is Phineas. And he's the grandson of Aaron. So Moses and Aaron are brothers, right? Moses is the greatest prophet of ancient Israel. Aaron is the great high priest of ancient Israel. And we're getting told, yeah, those families corrupted to their core. Mm -hmm. Israel has no great prophet right now. Israel has no great priest right now. Oh, and what's the other thing we're told repeatedly at the end of this book? Israel has no king. Mm, right. Prophet, priest, and king. Not here. You know, it's those kinds of things that when you see them, you're just like, God, like, like mm. that kind of intertextual unity and beauty and theological unity is just, just an incredible, incredible thing to see. I have some other notes here <laughs> of some other cool things from the second conclusion. I don't know that we really have time to cover those or that it's even necessary. Um, so I, th I think we'll conclude like this. Okay. Um, judges ends with this, this, there is no king in Israel. And it kind of ends with the begging of this question. Will God show up as king? Will God provide a king? God promised that a king would come through Judah all the way back in Genesis, yep. you know? And so the book of Judges kind of concludes with this question hanging in the air, will God keep his promises? Is it possible in the midst of this kind of darkness for God to keep his promises? Well, the very next book in your Bible is the book of Ruth. And the first line of Ruth is in the days of the Judges. And so this is a story about how God is faithful, keeping his promises right there in the midst of that dark. And that's where we're going to go next. Um, Love it. Uh, so this Sunday, we will start a series. Into, uh, Ruth's a short book, four chapters, so we'll just have four Sundays. But we'll walk through the book of Ruth. Um, and that is that is precisely what we see. You know, we entitled the, uh, the Judges series, When All Other Lights Go Out. Right. Like kind of emphasizing the darkness. Well, the title of the Ruth series is uh, The Light Shines. So when we find ourselves in the darkness, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. And that's what we see through the beautiful book of, of Ruth. So, yeah, man, as we wrap up this, um, this podcast on Judges, maybe you have been left kind of going, I'd like to do some more study. I'd like to dig into this book. Hopefully you found it beneficial. Um, I'll just give you three recommended resources. There are tons, tons. Of, if you if you want to come look at them in my office, I bought way too many books uh, preparing for this series. Shocker. I couldn't even read them all. Um, but uh, but I've got more than what I'm going to mention. But these are the three I'll mention. So so there's the one I already did. Uh, the Timothy Keller Judges for You. Um, if you're only going to pick up one book, that's the one I would recommend. You can read it devotionally. Yeah. Um, it's it's great. Another one that's in a very similar vein to the Keller book, so I still think these are based off of sermons, but it's definitely a different flavor than Keller, and, and I found uh, this book intriguing. Um, he would often go in directions applicationally that I, I didn't think to go or wouldn't go, and so this was a good read. I read this one in total, too. And this one is uh, it's from a series called Focus on the Bible, 
uh, and it's just called Judges. The subtitle is Such a Great Salvation. Um, and the author is Dale Ralph Davis, which I quoted him a couple of times in the okay. Judges series. You yep. may have remember me going, Dale Ralph Davis. Um, so, yeah, I, I bought this because it was highly recommended to me and found it to be really helpful. Final one. If you're like, I want to do the deep, deep dive, um, yep. give me all the technical stuff. Give me all the, the scholarly issues and yes. arguments and the, give me the, the thing that would put me to sleep if I read it without coffee. Um, then I'm going to recommend Daniel Block, B-L-O-C-K. His uh, commentary, it's, it's, the title's just Judges Ruth. A lot of Judges Ruth commentaries are, sure. are bound together in one book. Um, so it's the Judges Ruth uh, commentary, and it's in a commentary series called The New American Commentary, N-A-C. Um, so... Daniel Block is an Old Testament scholar. I love a ton of his work. I think this is the most helpful commentary for deep study of the book of Judges by far. Um, I do not agree with him everywhere. I, th- I know we call that the Jonathan Hayes disclaimer. Um, I don't agree with his main thesis. Wow. So like what he would say is that the, the primary purpose of the book of Judges, I don't agree with him. Um, but, I mean, helpful uh, and helpful food for thought, helpful in pointing out so many things I, I, I would not have ever seen on my own in the text. So, so yeah, if you want to do the deep dive, so then, then that's the one. Given that Ruth is a part of that commentary, we may be uh, experiencing some block here for the next few weeks. You've been experiencing <laughs> block for a long time, man, because um, he is he is super helpful. Um, and I do, I do have, I uh, maybe after Ruth, I'll give some recommended resources on Ruth. I'm sure block will probably still be my, uh, critical commentary, uh, recommendation, but uh, I've got some other stuff that I'm going to work through along the way. I actually just ordered a children's book. Okay. Uh, oh yeah. About Ruth. And I'm hoping I, I've heard good things. I'm hoping it's good. If it is, I'm, I'll probably talk about it on Sunday and recommend it to awesome. everybody. But so, yeah, so there's some resource recommendations. You want to talk about Judges more? I would love to get coffee and talk about it. Uh, you got questions about Judges? Email midweek. If I can answer them here, I will. If I can't, we'll get coffee. But we would love to hear from you, midweek at shadesvalley.org, because as Bradford Brown says when he's here 10% of the time, <laughs> here at Shades Midweek, you're a part of the conversation. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jonathan. That was a great wrap-up to the Judges series. If you want to check out some of the sermons, maybe you missed some of them, go to our other podcast. You can just search Shades Valley Community Church. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can find those sermons listed there. Thank you so much for listening.